The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. The tweet at our link? Yeah. And I think this time it will be on the scheduled link. Can you verify that we are on the scheduled link? Holy cow. We certainly have like a, have a lot of people. That's what I was saying. Yeah, we're all good. Right. Uh Uh-huh. And we're, and we're actually broadcasting. Yep. Well, I get points because I have finally figured it out, which is more than I can say for the president's uh, capabilities on the supply chain. Uh, for uh, gowns yep. or and masks or ventilators. Yeah. So, you know, we are now live. Uh, we don't have fun anymore, but we do have each other. Yeah. We have the awesome uh, 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 Zoom bombers who are uh, attacking our- uh, This happens staff. every time. <laughs> Because of the use, the awesome user controls. You know what I mean? Like, really? (laughs) You guys are drinking, and I'm not drinking. Oh, Jesus! Okay, this is from Scotland. From you know, it's like some awful tasting vanilla caramel vodka that I'm going to put in my coffee. That seems gross. Um, I I haven't even. I just left um, Jonathan Zittrain and Noah Feldman. Oh, nice! And I was talking about the oversight board. I just left. Um, I'm just left a lot of. Um, uh, yeah, there is a lot of people saying a lot of things. Yeah. I'm closing chat now. <laughs> I'm closing I, it too, I, I just uh, shut off the chat. Yeah. Okay. So I no, no. I'm doing the same. So here's what we're doing. You can raise your hand all you want, guys. You are not going to be called on. The only people who, and if you send us uh, uh, questions, the only people who are going to be called on are people who are civilized and appropriate. And so have at it, people. You know, we all know that you know how to spell words that begin with B and words that begin with N. And we all know that you, like, it's pretty cool that you can draw naked ladies with- It's impressive. Like, I'm, I'm impressed, but that's not why we're here. Right. So, you know, yeah. take your fun. incivility and put it where the moon don't shine. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm just tweeting this out the live link. Well, I'm happy at least we're, we're all hearing and seeing each other. That's lovely. Just saying. Yeah, it is. It's super, uh, do, um, do, what is it going to say? Sorry, I'm just distracted <laughs> by good. like all of Kate, the things coming Kate, in. Kate, you're good. Um, I got you. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm putting in our thing and then I'm going to be ready. Um, Lou, there we go. Okay. All right. Um, great. We are awesome. Live now we're up and, with... up and going. I need a drink, guys. I definitely need a drink if we're going to deal with this type of stuff in the feed. So I'm going to go do that. All right. So okay. why don't you get a drink and I'll introduce Danielle. Danielle Citron is like one of my favorite people. And uh, she, uh, as those of you who tried to listen to us, watch us on uh, uh last week no she's a recent macarthur uh award grantee she is a uh pioneering scholar on things like online abuse and things like what's going on right now (laughs) in our in our chat um, which are is an effort to see like a a picture of a naked woman with shut up bitch written is like the precise thing you wrote a book yeah. about. So Danielle, why don't you start us off by talking about our chat? <laughs> it's interesting. Like, I think this is oh. like, this is like somebody showed up and said, yeah. how can I 
use Danielle Citrin's presence on In Lieu of Fun to illustrate 75% of what she's talking about. Yeah, it's amazing. So what we're seeing and what I've shut off because it's so distracting is a stream of what seems like, though it's unclear if it is, but it seems like there are many, many people directing um, disparaging, really just slurs. So I turned it off when it was just slurs. So, um, and what seemed like um, in using text, naked bodies. Um, but what we might see if, if this was sustained, um, imagine if we couldn't turn the chat off. Imagine if during this conversation, our screen was flooded with um, defamation, nude photos or doctored photos of any one of us as if we're having sex um, and threats, right? And imagine if we're trying to have this conversation, but yet the, what's flooding, I get to turn it off. I got to silence the chat. So we could have this conversation, but it would make it impossible for us to have a meaningful conversation. It would be visually distracting. It would probably be really devastating if it was my photo or doctored photo to make it look like I was engaged in a sexual act, right? Um, and if it were threats like, very specific threats, Danielle, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, rape and death threats. And you know, online harassment is a perfect storm that exists not just on your feed, right? Not just in your email box, your text, but it's all over the internet, often nude photos without posted without your consent, your home address, lies suggesting, let's say that you are interested in rape fantasies or you're available for sex or you have HIV or some other sexually transmitted infection um, and couple that with threats, right? Saying, I bitch, I know where you live. This is what I'm gonna do to you. Very graphic, vile terms. And when you do a Google search of your name and that is all that you see, you know, the prominent links in a Google search of your name, it's impossible to get a job, keep a job, right? People have lost their jobs, especially like uh, school teachers, PhD students, you know, can't teach um, because if a Google search of your name is saturated with nude photos, lies about you and death and rape threats, you know, no one wants to hire you. And so, you know, right. I, I just, it's interesting that this happened to us given that we've all, the three of us, as it turns out, all friends have written about Kate shaming, Ben and I, Section 230, right? Communications Decency Act and how online platforms can encourage and solicit such abuse and, and have bear no responsibility, thanks to federal law. So it's interesting, it you know, it's happening to us live. Right. You know, bringing so alive what we've been writing about together and discussing together, the three of us in different ways, right? Oh, completely. So I don't want to, I don't want to share the substance of any of this because I don't want to give voice. Yeah, no, of course. To, but it was just uh, our any, way entree, any of right? These people. Yeah. No, no, but I do want to describe what's going on, which is that when we, and I actually want to describe it in a little bit of detail, again, without sharing any of the, um, I, I, I'm going to be a little bit explicit just so that people don't have any, uh, doubt about what's happened. So the other day when Kate and I did either the first or second show, the chat, uh, there was a fair one person, I think, uh, tweeted the N word, uh, not tweeted, but put in the chat in all caps, the N word over and over and over again. And so I just ignored it, figuring like we control who's on the screen. Uh, so that happened, I think, again yesterday. Is that right, Kate? Yeah. But it was like a small number of people today and then they the went away after filled, right they got bored yeah. and then today the chat filled with this completely immediately from multiple sources uh it was both racist and misogynistic and also specifically directed at the two of you not of course none of it's about me because it's never about the guys but it's, um, it's imagining uh, very explicit things with respect to the two of you. And then it's um, when I shut down the chat, 
and announced that we were only taking questions from civilized people, uh, there's a whole bunch of requests in the Q&A, uh, like I'm a civilized person, I have a respectful question, but there's nobody's laying out their actual questions. Yeah. And so I'm sure if we promoted one of these people, they would, uh, you know, do what they're doing in the feed. And the Q&A function filled up. I mean, Kate could not dismiss those fast enough. Um, there were probably 50 or 60 of those questions. 70. That we, had we to dismissed make go 70. Away. Uh, we've dismissed 70 questions. Yeah. We've been, we've, been so do, now, we've been online. We've been doing this for three minutes. I think we're like, like we're four minutes in. Wow. It does really... No, it's like, well, I mean, like, no, it's, it's not, uh, I would say it's that it's, I would say that it is not that bad. It is not, it is not, there is nothing that is like, it is certainly unpleasant. It certainly is distracting, as you said, Danielle. Mm -hmm. And if I was not with you guys together, I would say that this would feel worse, but it feels much better to be going through it with you all and yeah. to kind of be having a conversation about it um, and being able to deal with it than having to deal with it on your own or um, by yourself or feeling like this is like this thing you're up against. And I think that that's something that Danielle, you've written about. Um, yeah. And well, I've written about- the difference, right, Kate? Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge difference. Right. I mean, I- yeah, I go ahead. In this context, the other thing is that I think oh. it has stopped now. Are we still getting the questions? No, it stopped. They right, because I think the mo the moment they realized they're not getting on this show, it's not working. By the way, <laughs> you're not getting on this show. Um, it's not going to happen. And by the way, just as a precaution today, sorry to all the people who are in the live audience who are reasonable people. If I don't know your name today, you're not asking a question uh, because I'm kind of afraid that of getting one of these people on. So one of the costs of this sort of behavior is silencing people who it is not directed at. It's not just yeah. silencing people that it is directed at, but like we can't have a chat open right now. We can't have the Q&A open now and we can't bring people on unless we know who they are because I don't want somebody shouting racial epithets or, or misogynistic garbage at, at, at the world and at, at Kate and Danielle. And so it's actually like weirdly, even in this environment where we can kind of process it in real time and it's not, um, it's not really threatening in this context. It's still like we have you for an hour or 50 minutes and we've just used 12 of it talking about this. Yeah. yeah. It's actually kind of a great way to begin, honestly. So we well, owe them like, a, we owe them a debt of gratitude. <laughs> yeah, so maybe uh, we should thank the Zoom bombers. Um, and deep breath, yeah, like right? you guys really um, like we couldn't have scripted this better to introduce Danielle, author of Hate Crimes in Cyberspace. Right, guys. I know. Uh, let's well, uh, let's change the subject if we may before we go back to talking about trolls and online speech, which is just I would like to ask you both how your days have been and what you've been up to. What have you been up to? Ben, you want to go first? He's like no outside. you side. Um, oh, I've had such a packed day. Uh, what do they say? Board meeting, faculty meeting. The the sort of highlight, which I'm not sure is 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 really a highlight given the substance of the conversation, but I just was on a call with my three favorite colleagues at BU, and then my sister zoomed in, and my sister is an OBGYN in New York, and so she is both um, overwhelmed because her hospital now is what yesterday was three floors were COVID now it's out of the five now it's four. Oh my God! And so wow. what what she does every three days she's um on hospital duty. And this is purely volunteer in the sense of she's in private practice. And so whenever she's not in the hospital, she's seeing patients. But on the third day, she and two other people cover the whole hospital for deliveries. And when they're not doing that in that 24 hours, they're seeing COVID patients. And, you know, it's escalating so that the whole hospital she thinks tomorrow is going to be all COVID. And that includes some deliveries, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like GYN emergencies. So she has one N95 mask, one she has to keep. She doesn't have another one. 
Um, so all the protocols are kind of, as she was saying on the phone, are kind of out the window. Um, and I'm doing everything I can to get her masks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a friend of mine just sent me to, sent Janine to N95 mask, which knowing her, she'll share. You know, I know her so well, she will give it away, but she'll keep one of them. Um, and so it's just jarring. She's on the front lines. Do you know what I'm saying? She and her partners. Um, and it's not part of what they do every day. You know, she's um, still has to pay medical malpractice, which is exorbitant when you're in private practice for OBGYN and rent. And they like can barely see patients, but she's in the office today. So, so I got a little, I've been wrestling with that. You know, she's been telling me about price gouging masks. People are disgusting and they're buying N95 masks to go to Whole Foods. And Janine's like, give them to the hospital, you know? And so I got in touch with my dear friends at the New York AG's office, who I often work with, um, with regard to um, speech and privacy and harassment and stalking. And so they're going to, from her hospital, get the names of folks who are engaged in price gouging. But it's just so hmm, jar jarring and then worrisome. So yeah. that's, you know, that's my slightly unnerved. I came to this right from that call. So sorry, I was a little jarred to begin with. And then we saw the you know, the unlovely. No, it's hard. It's not, it's right? like, I com I'm completely with you. No, I think that yeah. it's really, and there's, yeah, I had a call with one of my best friends who's a midwife and who has been on maternity leave. And she has, with her and her husband's previous children, they have five children at home, um, age 16 to three months. Yeah. And um, they've been in this bubble where they haven't gone out really or anything for this entire time. And she's been on maternity leave and she's about to go back to the hospital and start delivering babies. And she's the only risk factor. Yeah. And she's got to like, she's got to start. She's actually, she's just like, I'm going to scrub in, I'm going to scrub out. There's only yeah. 200 cases in like the Yale health system. So I'm okay. But like, this is, it's just, it's, um, it's really scary. And it'd be a super scary time to deliver. I mean, leave aside the oh. midwife. Can you imagine being somebody who's uh, nine months pregnant, re ready to deliver, and yeah. has to go to the one non-COVID floor of your sister's hospital? Yeah. yeah. And as Danielle, as Janine probably knows, they've stopped doing preventative visits. Oh, yeah. Like, for uh, there's no totally. preventative visits for, for obstetricians anymore. Yeah. Or uh, uh, like, or, or, or GYNs for that matter. But if you're pregnant, you're not. So like, what are you, some, some people are just, I don't know how, how serious a preventative visit it has to be to be able to test for certain things. Um, but yeah, it's pretty oh, terrifying. Yeah. Okay. So have, before we yeah. get to uh, Kate and my day, Allison oh, yeah, so poses, a, has a very interesting question here. I believe, cause I think I have uh, emailed with Allison that she is a real person. So I'm going to uh, uh, put her on the uh, panel and Allison, if you could, uh, uh, I'm unmuting you and if you could turn on your video, uh, uh, we can see you and you can pose your question. Um, you can see me? No, we can't right now, but that's okay. okay. Go no, ahead. that's fine. That's exactly the way I would prefer it. <laughs> that's fine um, this is mortifying to me um didn't expect that okay anyway my question is like um i don't i don't i got rid of twitter and facebook about two years ago i couldn't deal with it and i have like zero followers like my friends were just like friends from back in the day whatever and I'm not like a public facing person. I'm not like a lawyer. I'm not in security. I'm not known to anybody. But do you guys deal with this all the like it's and I'm not naive. Like I know that this goes on. I read about things. I mean, like I try to stay up to date and I watch stuff and hear about stuff. But is this stuff that you guys get on a daily basis in your in your feeds and like emails? They like send emails specifically to you to say this to you? So I think question. the answer to, it's a great question. I think the answer is probably different for each of us. Uh, and I suspect, uh, uh, so why don't we just take it uh, one at a time? Danielle, how much abuse do you get and of what sort? It depends. So there were times in my career that it was a significant amount and it would sort of be paired when work would come out, you know, like um, my book 
when that came out, um, when my early work called Cyber Civil Rights came out, I would get like e emails saying like, I want to do doggy style and not lovely communications from anonymous or <laughs> not lovely, right? No, uh, that's like, that sounds like a terrible stuff. way to start my yeah, day. Like I was like, <laughs> I want to do your doggy style. Okay. So, um, and then there was a period of time which revenge pornographers really, really didn't like Marianne Franks and I. And so on Twitter, I guess it was 2014, I was the cunt of the year. And I kind of was like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, so it, it like, um, and then during the, I was on the task force for the ADL um, with regard to journalism, journalists who were being targeted with anti-Semitism in 2015, we had this task force. So unfortunately, all of us on the task force, we were like, um, our faces morphed into ovens, like Jew bitch dies with Julia Yaffe, myself, Stephen Cole, like all the folks on the committee, you know, working with the ADL. Um, so, so it's, it has, um, it ebbs and flows depending on the work, right? Um, and at times will be scary because you get stuff in your inbox and that seems awfully deliberate, right? Uh, sometimes on your Twitter feed and then you block, um, but, it, but it comes in waves, I would say. How about you, Kate? Yeah, I would say pretty much the same. I'm not quite as, I haven't been doing this like this I've been doing this as long as Danielle has. So I probably just am like, I have less exposure than she does. Um, but yeah, I would say like my experience is exactly that. It comes in waves based on like, so this is like me being me on a video is now more likely I feel like to get people's reaction than me giving a formal talk in my formal kind of, not that it's super Absolutely. formal, but my professor voice and me like do, putting on that persona. Um, this is like, I think people sense that this is a more vulnerable, more authentic, like kind of version of myself, that this is my ver authentic version of myself. And that like, therefore there's some, like, there's some in there and some like interest level, something to exploit that I think is not, um, you know, that is, uh, that is different. And like, I just, you know, I, I try very hard not to block people, but if there is like very, or like do like anything, but like, as Danielle said, like, I just, if like, I get a couple of messages and they're just pure, like, like low grade, like just low, like hate speech. Like I just delete it, like, or not delete. It, I just like block the person, but yeah, it's not as big a problem for me as I imagine it is for either you or Danielle. I know that you say that you, um, that like people don't uh, pick on men, but I know for a fact, because now I'm in yeah. your, cause now I'm in your, I'm, I'm right, added right. in a lot of your uh, tweets now. And I see people come at you That's right. um, all the time uh, that yeah. do not come at me. And so I, I actually would be interested in what's going, what your take is Ben. Yeah. So I, I think the dynamics are different for two reasons. The first is that I'm male and to anybody who thinks this is the same thing for men and women, uh, I don't know what to say, pull your head out of your ass. You're wrong. Um, and I actually have a pretty controlled experiment in this, which is my partner in crime, Susan Hennessy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Susan and I are both senior fellows at Brookings. We are both have television contracts. Uh, she oh. with uh, CNN, I with MSNBC. Yeah. We are both, we are the no, respectively the top and second uh, to the top editor at Lawfare. So we're about as parallel as it is possible to be. The difference is that I'm a middle-aged male and she is a younger female. Her emails are vile, stuff that I never get. And it's in volume uh, that I don't, like, it's a volume I don't receive. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it has content that I don't receive. So just like anybody who says like, this is, there is not a gender disparity here. Yeah. Like just, you have no idea what you're talking about. There's a massive right. gender disparity. And by the way, you read me the first line of one of these emails. I'll tell you what the second line is. These are not imaginative people. It's the right. same 20 uh, disgusting things over and over and over again. Um, so I don't get that. Right. Um, I do get 
a certain amount of like you're going to get raped in prison um, right. stuff. Um, but it's not the same. It's not the same volume. It's it almost reads like boilerplate, to be honest. Yeah. I do have an issue that uh, the two of you don't have, which is that because I for my sins in life or virtues in life, depending on your perspective, have a certain uh, association with uh, people who are perceived to be part of the deep state. There mm, are a set right. of conspiracy theories uh, about me and lawfare and uh, deep, the, you know, the deep state conspiracy against coup attempt against Trump yeah. that a lot of the QAnon people mm. uh, seem to take pretty seriously. And so I do get a fair bit of, yeah. uh, it's sort of like- Conspiracy theorists? Um, and like some yeah, mobbing, right? Ben, like you're mobbed in that Yeah, time. I mean, I have like, there is a, a certain amount of- yeah. like um, volume. Of, of, of like, active disinformation about me that is put out there i don't know by whom and i don't know under uh like what are the conditions of it i've written about it a fair bit yeah. um and some of that gets uh, a little bit on the violent side sometimes mm -hmm. i have had security issues that have required mm -hmm. attention um and um i don't what i don't get is rape threats and sexual fantasies and nobody shows up on a forum like this in order to tell me that they you know want to see one of my co-panelists defecating on me like that just doesn't happen to me and so like there's a would so like i guess you pick your poison um i mean i also kind of feel like laughing at it takes some of the power out of like oh yeah out of it like i can't like this is just like what a bunch of like like second graders like type of thing i mean it's just kind of like um yeah so that so this know. is my the key second point i have a very strict policy about this if you send me an abusive email yeah you probably i it, screenshot right? it and i yeah. tweet it and i always write the same thing which is you have no expectation of privacy in sending abuse yeah, to strangers sure. if you you know, send right. me an abusive uh, uh, Facebook messenger thing, right. which is, by the way, that's a forum in which there's a lot of abuse directed my way is on Facebook mm. for some reason. I will out you. Um, yeah. And I have argued with Twitter about this because Twitter uh, doesn't allow you to post the email addresses of the abusers. Yeah, and um, right, because yeah. that's personally, because that's doxing. Right. So I post their names without their emails visible. Sometimes, depending on how distinctive their names right. are, my right. Twitter followers can go look them up on Facebook or Google them. Yeah. And a couple times the communications have been threatening enough that I've just sent notes to their local police departments. Yeah. Um, and I always post that. I think it's a like, I think allowing the trolls to scare you or to abuse you is like 90% of them winning. And so I just have a kind of quasi-religious view that like, if, if you send me abusive stuff, your name is gonna be public. And, you know, I, I, part of the reason I do that is because I want other people to do it and I want it to be the normal response. Uh, hey, this asshole called me a cunt. Um, I like is, does his mother know that he talks to strangers that way? Um, and like, you know, tag his mother on Facebook with it. Um, you know, most of this stuff is very doable. And, um, and so I, I just feel like outing people is kind of like, because I'm not very vulnerable to it. Um, I, I do feel like outing people is kind of an obligation. I feel like Kate I mean, and I have had conversations about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, right. I'm kind of curious what you have to say, Danielle, because like, I was just thinking about this and I was thinking about it in terms of like, yeah. 
So I remember one of the first questions I asked you the first times I met you was kind of why it was actually talking about my friend, Jill, who you yes. wrote about in your yep. book yep. and about how Jill basically, um, had her early too, right? Kate, like I wrote about her in my Michigan law review piece from 2000 yes. written about her forever. Yeah. yeah. So she's, so this she's is a one long time sufferer in that way. Yeah. And I had known about what you'd gone through, but I hadn't read your stuff. Um, and then um, kind of you kind of, I was like, oh, this is like an amazing area um, to, to of like an ama amazing area for, for of like um, online speech and harm um, and digital abuse. And, but I was going to say that like you wrote one yeah. of the things that Dan, if you want to give you on, you could talk about it. But one of the things that Jill did yeah. was that she used reverse Google bombing, which yeah. was basically that she had a huge audience, kind of like a huge following, kind of like you, Ben, like I would say, like a big group of people that followed her. And like, um, and so when she had a bunch of kind of trolls, she was writing on a feminist blog. And when she had a bunch of trolls come after her and try to like ruin her reputation and her Google results, she actually, um, she actually did this. Uh, she had a bunch of people post her name and like positive things so that right. her, it would flip her Google results. Right. Um, and I mean, this type of self self correction that you can do yourself without involving the police, without involving Twitter, without involving whatever, it's like, great. But as you pointed out, then Danielle, this thing yeah, has, li this, it has limits yep. like, you and know, it's rare, right? It's rare. It was so popular and feminist. Right. She was she so popular this. that she could have enough people to do yeah. that. Ben, it matters. Ben could do that easily. Ben, right? It matters to people that you publish it. Like it hurt, it hurts people. If you publish their names, right? Ex exactly. And that's why I feel an obligation to do it. Right. Because I want, when somebody sends me a threat, I want them yeah. to feel a little bit inhibited about sending that same threat to a 15 year old girl. Um, I'm aware. I also want the 15 year old girl who follows me, and there are some, um, to know that one thing you can do when somebody threatens you online is notify their local fucking police department. Yeah. And you can send an email to, you can, you can Google their police department. They'll have an email and you can say, Hey, I got a threatening email from this address. Um, I, the, he see, this person yeah. seems to live in your jurisdiction. I just, I want to model the kind of behavior that I want other people to feel empowered to engage in. And I know I'm in a privileged position in that regard. And for that reason, feel a kind of obligation to do what is easy for me, but actually hard for other people to do. So uh, Kevin, sorry, Kevin R has posed in the Q&A what I think is like, the ideal question to ask, given this in a, uh, to Danielle. So I am going to promote Kevin R and, uh, uh, and have him pose his question live. Kevin, if you could, uh, uh, I'm gonna unmute you. And if you could, uh, if you feel so inclined, turn on your. Uh, uh, ben, I just wanted to let you know, my student, Claudia Bennett, she might have a question too. She texted. Oh, me she's today. a real person. She's my student. Beloved. Uh, I, I will. Beloved student. I, I will make sure any question by Claudia Bennett gets gets. If she uh, if she wants to ask. Kevin, it. what's on your mind? We cannot hear Kevin. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm going to read Kevin's question. Okay. Um. And uh. Uh, but let, now I have to find it. I can, read it. <laughs> can you read it? Yep. While the and abuse, I'll, here I'll bring might... up Claudia while you're doing that. Okay. While the abuse here might not seem unbearably horrible, does it disproportionately affect or silence younger or less confident women and teens? This is yeah, right up your alley. Easy, it's it's right? like the perfect question to ask under these circumstances okay. to Danielle. Right. No, it's true. There's um, pretty much there's now. Here we are in 2020 significant studies that show that cyber gender harassment, so that's the sort of um, persistent, continuous, targeted online abuse that's often sexualized, sexually threatening, and sexually humiliating, that that is more likely to impact young, so young women, so women in their 20s. Um, and that's statistically speaking, um, it's something along the lines of 40% of women in their 20s will face sexualized, sexually threatening online abuse. And so the answer is yes. 
Um, and that's also true, the parallel, the posting of nude photos without consent. Um, we have the same sort of disproportionately affecting women at LGBTQ folks um, as well, women and girls, and then higher percentages as well for, for young people, so young women and young LGBTQ folk. I don't want to preempt Claudia's question, but I also just kind of want to hear, I want to, at some point, we've talked a bunch about kind of like the ways that you can self-help, but I want to talk about the limits of that. And I want to talk about kind of, um, kind of what, what we've, what you wrote about with technological due process so long ago, Danielle, but like also just generally speaking that we're talking about systems in which process is not possible. So you can have both, like, there's no way to vet the people who are using, um, like, you know, people who come after Ben, um, alleging that he's alleging that he is doing all of these bad things and alleging he is like this type of conspirator or this type of thing. You have no way of sorting the allegations from, um, from the harassment itself with the the allegations can themselves be harassment. And so kind of just like how we're going, how we figure that out in this day and age and like what we do. I am Claudia, but I'm really ready to defer to Claudia um, if she has her question. Claudia, what's on your mind? Oh, my dear. Sorry, I didn't realize emailing Professor Citron would mean that I would be joined in on this. (laughs) You know, in lieu of fun, we have spontaneity. I know. I was like, came back to my laptop. I was listening over, like reading over, actually reading um, Carrie Goldberg's book and like listening in the background because um, we have to read it for class. Uh, I don't really have a specific question. It's cool. It's amazing you guys are doing this. I'm really a fan. So, and obviously a fan of Professor Citron for many, many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, which year are you a law student? And and Claudia, you are talking to the person, Kate Klonick, who has written. So Claudia, of course, is citing Kate, the new governors, but she's also writing a piece about the oversight board. Oh, so I said to Claudia, like Kate hasn't yet put the draft out, but like the expert, <laughs> Claudia, did <laughs> yeah, I we just tell talk. you um, to say, like, I don't know if Kate's going to have it out yet, but Claudia has a deep interest in um, human rights law and has oh, done the work should. on the ground. Um, it we will totally talk again. about it. We should yeah. do a, we should do a class on over the oversight board or uh we Can should we? On the oversight board or something. We should. We should oh, cool. uh we should we should do a show on the oversight yes. board. Yes, oh you should definitely do a show. I'm ready to rope her into our class. I just finished Claudia. the draft. I just finished the draft, Claudia. Um it's freaking 80 pages and 50,000 words and there's like 900 footnotes. It is very long. Um but it uh but I am hoping to have it edited through the first round from YLJ and then it should be ready to kind of go up in SSRN, I hope. Okay. Uh, so in the next couple weeks, so. Amazing, that's so cool. Not that All amazing, right. I'm very tired. That really sucked to write that while oh, no. like the pandemic was happening and like oh, I'm teaching class remotely and I'm like moving states and like it just, anyway. Um, sorry. Perfect oh, sorry. I, I lost Claudia. Yeah, but um, I'm glad that you met because I literally was just writing Kate because she was just sending me her outline so for her sweet. paper. So, so it was like sweet. new governors and you know what I mean? So it's kind of wonderful that that just happened. What a cute All right. So, so, uh, we have a question from John Bordeaux. Uh, I know John Bordeaux I know. is a real, is a real like person because I, I yeah. had coffee with him the other oh, day, okay. um, back <laughs> when we were still allowed to have coffee with people. Sorry. Okay. John, what's on your mind? Yeah, thanks. And I apologize for the, the weird sunlight sitting here that Heisek's my Virginia isolation beard <clears throat> is getting out of control now. Um, I guess my question is, and you noticed at the beginning, you said that there were a few comments the first time you did this, now you're on day four, and they kind of exploded in the first two minutes. It's kind of and like the my coronavirus. Question, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, definitely when asymptotic. So the question, I guess, for Professor Citron is, is this an indicator to you or are there indicators that say, this is not a bunch of bored 14 year olds, this is actually a network effect. Is there something more pernicious behind it? I'm just curious if there are indicators to tell you, yeah, this is, this is something that's more organized and there's a latent network ready to pounce on targets that are selected by whoever. I think so. Great right? question. That is a fantastic question. Um, and I wish I could say, John, that it's random, but it's, it's not. And especially when you have sort of the combination of the three of us, you know, you've got um, as Ben's experienced this sort of deep state QAnon 
Russian actors. I mean, so we might very well have like hostile state actors sort of troll farms that no, this is the time that, that Ben and Kate do their show. Um, and so it's, it's not surprising at all, unfortunately, and sort of then to tie to Kate's question about sort of self-help and the sort of lawlessness of all of this, um, because our default in the United States is and will remain that we are anonymous online, that we that pseudonymity can be the norm, um, and that it's sort of a right, and not a right, a privilege that we could waive, but but it is the presumption, right? We don't live in a space of national IDs to just to get online, like in South Korea. So that given the commitment to free speech, um, I imagine that, and, and because this is run by private platforms, and Kate calls them the new governors, right? And they are incredibly powerful. Um, but the presumption is the default is privacy, right? And, and we, I don't think we'd want it any other way. But it also means that with open networks, the open doors to cyber mobs that, that I've been writing about since 2007, right? And so, so in many ways, like I, I was having this conversation with Nathaniel Gleitcher, who's head of cyber policy at Facebook the other day, we did this web, webinar. And, and, um, and we've been together talking about this, that in 2007, I sort of wrote about them. And Ben, we discussed this at the NatSec Girls Squad Conference, yep. um, that, that in 2007, I called them cyber mobs. And they were, right? But they were targeting you know, women and minorities and often women who are also minorities, right? Or LGBTQ folks. Um, and like there were the canaries in the coal mine. And now, you know, Facebook calls the cyber mobbing effect they have a new name for it. They call it cyber brigading. But as Nathaniel said, who's been with me in this process, I've known him since 2007, when he was in law school, um, he said to me, this, you know, the cyber mobs you wrote about, you know, we call them something slightly different. And now it's often hostile state actors, right? As he calls it, coordinated inauthentic behavior online, which is often, you know, could be, could be hostile, coordinated by hostile state actor um, or mischief makers. And so, you know, it's John's question was, you know, is this expected? You know, like large networks of mobs coming together. And unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and it's something we've seen, right? And seen targeted mostly at the most vulnerable women and marginalized folks. Um, and now it's mainstream. Hostile state actors have really figured out, made it an art form, ways to discredit you know, journalists who write about the regime in an unlove, you know, and ex exposing corruption, human rights violations, to discredit and to silence journalists, to discredit and silence passionate, important voices, critical of government. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing it to spread. The cyber brigades are just more pervasive. Yeah. Um, so I, just, I just try to, to add, answer all of our questions, you know, kind of all together. So just to add to that, you know, I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, most of the Zoom bombing that I've heard about has been porn. Um, and I've right. assumed it was right. commercial in character, uh, not um, uh, harassment in character. But this was clearly harassment. Um, yeah. And uh, I do know that just speaking personally, and I, I wrote a long lawfare piece with Jacob Schultz about this, there is something funky going on in my Twitter feed and it is related to, and I think Jacob and I established this pretty clearly, it is related to something even funkier going on in Lisa Page's Twitter feed. Yes. Um, okay. And there, I, I don't know who is behind the fact that every time she tweets, large yeah. numbers of people respond, okay, homewrecker, or every time I tweet, even on completely unrelated subjects, people say, but you vouched for Barr and Kavanaugh, um, using the exact same language, uh, iterating it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over hundreds of tweets. I don't know you know, the whole like, I'm gonna share a cell with Jim Comey and we're gonna have anal sex at Guantanamo is like, yeah. there is like, it always shows up using the phrase Comey's BFF. Um, like, these are not like thousands of people coming up with the same exact phrase. Oh, 
Kate's going to tell us it's automated, right, Kate? Like, yeah. no, because so, Kate studied this. So right? I don't know. Most of it's automated or it's bots. It's like spam. Right. And it's like the same. And like, you can just kind of like turn it on to like do something. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. And also people are just, yeah. idiots, frankly, they're really bad. Like there are some people who are like, I would say people who are like, who try to be, who are sophisticated at hiding their identities, who know how to hide behind VPNs, who are sophisticated users who do yeah. this all the time. But not everyone, right? But they, not everyone. Yeah. And, and I think so you'd be those. surprised at like the number of people, like I bet a bunch of the people, some of the people that signed on today, like when we can get a transcript, when all of this ends of the people who came and like the people uh, who signed up, yeah. some of them will have like, I don't know what, I bet you some of them were dumb enough to sign up with their actual email addresses or something or like a real, you know, yeah. so it's, um, it's, 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 you know, that's kind of, um, it's how it's done. Do we have a so, new question? Yeah, we have an interesting question, but my screen has just gone blank. So, oh. um, Island, uh, if you can, uh, turn on your, I think I've unmuted you. I'm gonna to try to make my screen go uh, turn on again, uh, but you can pose your question. Hello. Hello. Hi. My connection is very unstable, so I apologize. Okay, I, I have your question here in case it cuts out, but go ahead. Okay, so I've been online forever since the early 1980s. And I've encountered every kind of troll you can imagine. And although I encounter some people who are just evil, I mean, they just want to hurt you, I've encountered others that are going through mental health crises. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And their trolling behavior becomes, is a, is a, is a manifestation of that. Yeah. And I did have one situation where a troll who threatened to kill my cats um, every other day contacted me and apologized mm. and said, look, I was really in a bad shape. And he and I have had a number of constructive exchanges later. So I just think it's interest an interesting counterpoint. Doesn't yeah. Absolutely. anybody does. Right. But it certainly adds this extra. Yep. No, no, when I was writing my book, I have a dear friend who writes under the name Descent Doe because she has been stalked by mentally ill patients. And you know, some of our conversations over the years, um, and she's an amazing privacy blogger. Um, and it has been, you know, who has tormented her for years and years and years are these two very ill patients, former patients. And so you're right, like the pathology behind what we're seeing online, online abuse, you know, I didn't, people often, the critique of my book was that, Danielle, you don't have interviews with the perpetrators. You don't have a full story on them. And the truth of the matter is because we don't catch them. We don't find them. We don't catch them. We don't prosecute them. We don't sue them, right? And so we're not studying perpetrators and, and not don't, and I, you know, as a non-psychologist, I don't have a PhD in sociology. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was very careful to say, we don't have studies from experts on who these perpetrators are. I can make some assessments and judgments based on the cases that I'm writing about, you know, and, and I interviewed about 60 victims. So I could have a somewhat of an anecdotal story I, I was telling throughout the book, but, but um, Leland's right in the sense of like the whys of what, why people do this, right? Have varied profiles, right? And sometimes yeah. it is, you know, Kate would tell us about the stories of automation, right? Automated bots, you know, is it a hostile state actor? Is it the mentally ill person? Often, you know, half of the times for non-consensual pornography, it's, an, it's um, a disaffected ex or someone who was a romantic hopeful and the hopes are dashed. So you're right, the story of who the perpetrators are, at least by my lights and in my scholarship, it's been challenging because we don't prosecute them. And that's, you know, Ben did some incredibly important work on sextortion, which is how we met each other years ago, where the story of sextortion, and I feel like Ben, a lot of, it's interesting, you know, so much of our lives, we reflect kind of our own experience and our own research. But when you said you want the 15 year old to go to law enforcement, and it's often, because I know studying sextortion, what tormented, you know, you and your co-authors was that so often young girls and young boys who are being sextorted 
were terrified and terrorized into silence and they didn't go to their parents they didn't go to law enforcement and they became essentially sexual slaves right via webcam and so i does that make sense ben i i hear you and i sort of feel like this extortion literature that you and the cases you wrote about were really kind of formative in a way yeah no that's exactly right and uh you saw through my effort to no i just i feel like i I know you well no Um, it's but it's Look, interesting. She's good at that. It's this, like it's her yeah. job. <laughs> this is the public but it's very side. You know, like I get where you're coming from, even if I'm hesitant to have you publish people's names because I don't want a cyber mob in reverse. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, Ben, we've discussed this. It makes me nervous when you do that. I agree with that completely. Right. I um, completely agree with that. work on shaming, right? Like we have this worry, right, Kate? Yeah, I think um, that like I I was going to say too that I like I on the one hand like you write someone as high profile as you Ben and you like put them on blast there is a certain level of expectation yeah. that they should have but at the same time I just feel like as Leland points out like I just think that these yeah, situations okay. like the people that are doing this are so often people that are mentally ill that having this is kind of like it reminds me did you ever read Lindsay West's book Danielle so good. Uh, the story oh. about her getting like her father who she was deeply deeply loved and who she was very close to died and like this um this troll, this one troll just came at her and at her and at her about her dead dad and how her dead dad hated her and all of this stuff. And like, finally, like it was just like terrorized Lindsay's life. And then she kind of finally like confronted the person and confronted him as Leland kind of described exactly as Leland described and was just kind of like, what is up? And the guy's like, I'm really sad and lonely. I don't like, I don't have anything to do. And like, there is this kind of case for like having empathy for your abuser. No, no, and no. understanding yeah. what they're talking about as a means of like of engaging with it, yeah. not to empower it, but to disempower it and just confront yeah. it. Yeah. And if you can confront it, that being said, as Danielle points out, like if you're a teen, if you're being exploited, if you have all of these kind of like, but if you're an adult and you have these powers and you can like confront your abuser and confront this person yeah. and like basically say like, just stop, like, please just stop or you're hurting me. This is actually making me feel terrible that yeah. that's an actually a really powerful self-help tool that isn't shaming. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't so- always work. I don't know, but I think to Leland's point, like there is just a tremendous amount of cries for help and people don't know how to, don't know how to reach out for that. So I wanna say a few words in defense of shaming and in defense of reverse cyber mobbing um, at the risk of making you both uncomfortable. Um, Academic conversation, here we go, no worries. (laughs) Because I, you know, had a recent experience in which I, somebody sent me a note that was pretty threatening um, and I outed the person mm-hmm. and uh, did it without revealing any PII within the meaning of Twitter's terms of service. Yeah. But a lot of people figured out who he was and I think he probably got mobbed. And one person who reached out to me in response was a relative of his mm. who informed me that members of his family had moved across the country to get away from him because they were afraid of him. And, you know, um, and some of these people are dangerous and scary people. And, um, and I don't want the 15 year old girl to have too much empathy for them so that she internalizes things. Right. I want, well, I did accept the 15-year-old. I understand, but I want to yeah. behave the way I want the 15-year-old girl to behave. None she of this matters. Ben, she can't. You know, Literally, some, she cannot. But sometimes yeah, I agree with she Danielle. does. Every single one of the sextortion cases that I've studied no, but is because going somebody... To law enforcement, right? It's no, but sometimes it's someone. going to a teacher. Sometimes okay. it's... But that's not online. That's not going to generate a cyber mob that's way out of the kid's control. Right. It always bites the victim on her ass. And it's a her. I want, sometimes it's a he. No, no, I never said totally like a young boy or elderly. 24, 24, 25% of the juvenile victims are male. And they're generally gay. 
Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's vulnerable, right? Kids like, who kids who are exploring yeah. coming out in some forum, you know, are really vulnerable to this. Yeah. And yeah. I want them to have a default that is doing something about it. Right. And but there's a difference, right, between law enforcement, parents, school teachers, and online self-help. There's just self-help is there are two different forms, right? right. That we're talking about. And I'm is- specifically, I really carved out and I want to be really specific here. I don't begrudge you your no, your to do self-help. I actually I but I think that there is, but my also my specific, my difference between what you're talking about, Ben, and like what I'm imagining, and I think Danielle would agree with this, is not to use, it's to use direct confrontation to the individual if possible, not to use cyber mobs right. necessarily. Like proxy. And like, you yeah. know, that's, that like, if you're an adult and you have the power, the, the like the self-possession and power to confront them. If you're an adult and you have your, you know, and you're, you know, you have an ability that, to confront them, yeah. that is a, that is a, how you, I would recommend of a level of self-help. And I would be very dubious to recommend what you do. Not that I don't appreciate that you do it on behalf of people um, that are, that get this type of harassment that are like 15 year old girls and that you kind of are able to be like this bastion of kind of establishing kind of some type of threat. But I do think that like the threat of cyber mobs and the fear of cyber mobs chills speech in a terrible way like I don't say things or comment just generally on things a lot of times because I'm afraid that it's going to be misconstrued and become something, get retweeted and I get, I get shamed for it. I know a lot of- I mean, that, hap- that. that happens to me all the time and I live with it. And when I send, when I out somebody for, for, being a, for doing abusive things, the goal is to chill speech. Absolutely. I want people to have a little bit of fear every time they send one of those abusive messages that somebody is going to shame them for it. It is specifically to chill speech. I'm gonna get off this show that I'm doing right now. All right, Danielle needs to go. Um, Danielle, you're at a hard stop. You gave us this morning beforehand. Okay, I love y'all. It was so good to hang out. Danielle has to go. I gotta go. Um, Love you guys. So you you are, Danielle is gone. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us. That was, we know it was abrupt, um, uh, but that is a good opportunity for us to sign off. I wanna say a special word of thank you to the trolls. Yes, thank you trolls. You know, <laughs> you know, like you guys just made this show. Yeah, and, you really did. I'm actually so indebted to them for all of their craziness. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm looking right now at the gross stuff that's in our chat, which is really gross. I'm kind of um, looking forward to you getting the, the list of things and maybe having a little bit of decision about whether or not you, uh, you post things. No, because there are no emails here. There's no one to out. I'm yeah. not going to post the chat because they, they want people to see it. I'm not yes, going to do that. Obviously, but I just from the bottom of my heart, you guys really contributed meaningful <laughs> conversation today, which was not your objective. But uh, so come back anytime, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. We just won't call on you at all. Um, I Ben, before we sign off, we have to talk about who we're having on the show tomorrow. Yeah, we have, we have Oren Kerr. Who was in the audience today, at least for a little while. Oh, good. Um, Yeah. And so Oren will join us tomorrow. uh, And he is... Do we have a second to briefly talk about the schedule? I wrote out a schedule. Cool. So we have Oren tomorrow. We have John Turk, your uncle, and the great world explorer and Montana resident, who I'm very excited to talk to on Wednesday. Um, Thursday, we have... Alex Stamos coming back and Jack Balkan and Jack Balkan. Yep. To talk about, and maybe possibly um, Scott Shapiro and Alex Nunn. Um, I'm going to ask them um, to talk about kind of uh, law schools, higher education, coping with the coronavirus. Um, What do you want to do for Friday? I want to invite Amanda Sloat on the show to talk about coronavirus around the world. Amanda is my awesome Brookings colleague uh, who uh, spent the last couple of weeks talking to a hundred people or so in different countries around the world about what's going on in their countries. She wrote an amazing article about it in Politico magazine 
And I just think it'd be really interesting to have her uh, come on and talk about it. But I haven't invited her yet. So I don't know whether she's free at, on Friday at, at five, but we, let's find out. Okay. Um, and then for, I don't know how much you want to plan, but for the next week, I would love to do an election show with Nate Persley and Alex yeah. Stamos again. Yeah, absolutely. Nate uh, just wrote an amazing piece in Lawfare about uh, uh, thinking through the security in coronavirus He's times killing of it the right now. 2020 election. I was, his son gave me, his son did a magic show for me yesterday. Uh, That's cool. Over Zoom, it was pretty great. <laughs> it was the highlight of my day. Well, maybe after in lieu of can, show. Can we have his son too to do a magic I hope trick? So let's see if we can see if we can. That would be great. Um, and then um, do an oversight board show. I can figure out people to invite Evelyn, I love that. Evelyn, yeah. Noah, and then um, Tim, Tim Wu, and Corey Doctorow talking about antitrust and competition on the platforms. Great. Yeah, cool. and let's so that'll take us into next week, and yeah. then we institutionalize like Saturday is random uh, people who we promote from the audience. Yeah, and, and just Sunday, us having a chit chat. Yeah, and Sunday is mystery guest week. Yeah, that episode. Fun. I liked the mystery guest episode. I thought that was really fun. I did. I think it was really fun. I think the last couple of episodes have been fun. I hope people are yeah. having fun. I hope people are having at least in lieu of fun in lieu of fun. <laughs> fun in lieu of fun. Um, All right. Yeah. We will see you guys tomorrow. And, uh, you know, if you can't have fun, you can have us in lieu of it. Yes. Thanks for the tagline. Bye, Ben. Bye, Kate.